Well, all right, all right, all right. This is the Chicago Jordans podcast from the heart of Chicago. Two different Jordans, one from here, one non-native, two different perspectives. This week, we're going to talk a little bit about the famous, of course, improv scene in Chicago. You probably already know about Second City. You probably don't know, if you're not from here, about the IO Theater. It's a place that trained Mike Myers, Chris Farley, Jim Belushi, and more. Amy Poehler, lots of modern-day SNL famous people as well. Cecily Strong. The list goes on and on, and we start out just talking about how crazy it is the talent that exists within the walls of that theater on the Chicago Jordans podcast. Now I go to the IO and there's like 40 different groups of 10 that are yep. all surprisingly good. Like, you know people are going to be good, but like surprisingly good. They've got good. it tight, especially groups that perform together a yes. lot. The world building and the things that they do, like, yeah, improv can be pretty hokey and like definitely super cheesy, but from my experience of doing it like all through college and being able to, like being fortunate enough to travel and perform in festivals and mm-hmm. stuff of just like, when you see a team that is on the same like wavelength entirely, you can... They can do a dramatic scene or like some, and it doesn't always have to be funny. And right. like just the cohesiveness and the world building that some people can get into mm-hmm. is so intriguing to me. And I love they barely step I on love each other. The, yeah, I love the freedom. less than we do. Even they step on each other. It's like how there's no you guys didn't decide what order you're talking in. What's no, going yeah, on? what like when characters are coming in, when to mm-hmm. like split the scene. But there is from being in an improv set, you get into this weird like fugue state of like this kind of transitionary flow where you look at each other in the eyes and you do subtle cues and there are like certain kind of beats that you can hit that will say like, all right, we're rounding out the scene. Or like if you hit something once, twice, three times, yeah. you have a callback or something. The Herald kind of just like wrap a, wrap a bow around it, butt mm-hmm. it up a little bit, and then you keep going on. Yeah, I, I did. we did Herald all through college. That so was the do you know, like, could mostly. you describe the Herald method if somebody didn't know exactly what it is? I mean, it's really just the idea of bringing something back, like if you did a skit, Yeah, so the Herald that we skit. followed when I was in the college group, um, Eighth Floor Improv at Ohio State, shouts out. I'm going there at the end of next month for their festival Bellwether um, that I'll be performing in. So the Herald that we practiced and that I learned, like how I was brought into improv was up front, you do three two-person scenes, Mm -hmm. you build a world, minimal walk-ins, definitely not in the first like 30 seconds of the scene, you try to let things breathe, you build the world a little bit. Um, Actually, before that, you would do like a one big group game. You get the the suggestion, you start with a big group game, Mm -hmm. and then you do three two-person scenes, you Mm -hmm. build a world, some people can float in and out if there are like called for extra characters or yeah. whatever. In the middle, you do another big group scene, which is maybe the people from the first group scene somewhere right. else. If you found a good game to play through there, so you're bringing it back in the middle already. Already, yeah, yes. which you can do. That's and the then the around. last part of it could be one of the, the, big the people from the first three scenes going somewhere else, a sure. continuation of their story, flipping them, having them intersect with another. And then you just, the second three beats is where you really mm-hmm. want to tie things up and like get things going. So that's like a 20 to 22 minute set. Um, It can feel feel like 45 seconds or it can feel like two hours, five seasons of the Sopranos. Like Mm -hmm. it can be so painful to be on an improv stage mm -hmm. and just to not know what you're doing. I've seen both in one show when there's Mm -hmm. two different groups and it could be literally the next day. If it's the same two, two groups, it could switch. switch. Because sometimes you're just not on. Right. Um, Yeah. And so the crazy thing, I didn't realize this, like that's, that's pretty much the formula that most improv groups around the country follow. Yeah. That's like the starter. And the Herald was invented here in Chicago, here in Chicago. Um, And two of the founders were Sharna Halpern and Del Close. Yep. Who run the IO theater. Del Close dead. Unfortunately, you can actually, funniest thing. He's in one of the theaters. He's in his urn. Yes. His ashes are in the Del Close theaters, which is one of the biggest theaters uh, where Virgin Daiquiri performs every Wednesday. Obviously a tons of performances by tons of groups. Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, but like, you know, Cecily Strong again or like all of these famous actresses who've done SNL and everything for else sure. were in that group that has performed every Wednesday at I.O. for such a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's the cool thing. Like I started taking my class and there's only 12, 13 people on it. And right. you realize like six of the 12 people moved to Chicago to take this class. Right. You know, like people move to L.A. if they're aspiring to get actors. To those conservatories. Yeah, and people move to Chicago to be if they're aspiring comedians. Second City and I.O., man, that's the right. That's the pathway. And um, and I remember, so we did an orientation right at the beginning, and Sharna, who runs I.O., yeah. uh, who helps invent. I said to the same, you get a copy of Truth and Comedy. and um, Yes, yes, exactly. She gives you a copy of her book, which yep. has, like, its endorsements by everyone from John Belushi to Chris right. Farley to Mike Myers to Cecily to whoever. Um, but she did a Q&A, and there's a group of, like, 100 kids. Uh-huh. You're like, okay, so everyone in here is technically in the last bit of their mind aspiring to be the next big, Certainly. you know, yeah, John yeah, Belushi, yeah. Steve Carell, whoever. Um, you'd think, like, everyone's going to want to ask questions to right. try to help her. Nope. No, Sorry, nobody's raising their hands at all. Yeah. Is it intimidation or is it literally nobody has an interesting question? Probably a little bit of both. I think it's a little bit of intimidation because you don't want to sound like an idiot. Right. I, in my orientation when I was at I.O., uh, there were kids that you could tell were like, this is my moment to prove to Sharna that I'm hilarious. And there were some people that were definitely like putting on a gimmick to like ask her these questions and being like, one kid asked like, hey, or it was like something along the lines of just being like, uh, my only question is like, I'm the greatest. So like, when am I, when am I on stage or like, when's my next show or something like that? And Did she played it laugh? off like a professional. No, no one laughed. It was oh, dead no. cricket silence uh because that's not something that you ask Sharna Halpern who's mm-hmm. groomed some of the best comedy minds mm-hmm. in the business um that's just not the time and place to do that stuff no, like that no absolutely and- uh so it was definitely kind of like yeah that that orientation is definitely kind of pins and needles at some points yeah. um it's a great opportunity to like meet her and talk to her for a minute she's mm-hmm. very caring her dogs are really funny they like jump around all yeah. the time and like they float around, like, around, around two and- six dogs at all mm-hmm. times there were two questions asked in my orientation total. Yeah, what were they? Do you, you remember? They'd given us a whole hour. The whole thing lasted 30 minutes. Uh-huh. Um, well, the first one wasn't me. The second one was me. Cool. First one was, how long is each class? Okay. Um, which, I mean, you can kind of find out. or maybe Yeah, there's, there like, like, there's like, it's usually like a, a six to eight question. week. Yeah. yeah. Um, each but, class is like an hour and a half. Right. Um, and there was like a weird, like, nobody's saying anything. I was like, you know, what? I'm going to ask a question. Right. I'm, I'm intrigued. And so I asked her, I was, like, I was like, do you see a spark in some students the day they come in for their first class? You're like, that kid could be a star. Right. Whether it's in the writing room for mm-hmm. the Stephen Colbert show right. or is on SNL or is a movie star like mm-hmm. Steve Carell. And she's a little hard of hearing, so someone had to like repeat it. Right. Again in the front for her. And they repeat it in a way they're like, he wants to know if you can tell when somebody's going to get on SNL before taking a class. Of course they ask like, like that. Because like, <laughs> I didn't, you know. I That's not how you phrase the right. question. And yeah, I wasn't it's all trying about. to seem egotistical in any way by asking it. I was actually genuinely curious. Or pointing it towards yourself in right. any way. Right, exactly. Yeah. And uh, she gave a great answer. She like sprawled off into a nice little conversation storytelling. And she's like, well, first and foremost, because of the way the guy rephrased the question, your main goal should not be to be on SNL. Company. Right. Or at least yeah, it should be one of many. Um, and she's like, many people will come through IO and then go on to be very successful not doing SNL, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's directing for movies with Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell and them like Step Brothers or right. whatever else. Like, there's so many other ways this could go. So many IO alumni you don't realize are in the background of some of the biggest shows in Hollywood. Yeah, or like Flo from the Geico commercials right. is an IO, and, <laughs> IO um, and Second City alumni. Yes. Or the guy from the Sonic commercials with the other dude that like, uh, yeah, they, they go do back and their, forth. Their IO yeah, they guy. have a two person show that. 
still two probably there, second city too. Yeah. Um, but she told another story. She's like, here's a good one. Like, like first and foremost, uh, you know, getting onto SNL is not all just about how talented you are. For sure. And uh, the story was, she goes, you know, I taught both Steve Carell and um, Steve Martin Colbert, Steve yeah, Carell yeah. and Steve Colbert here. And first and foremost, they love to play, which means like they would just show up on jam nights and be Super like just silly. Yeah, ready yeah. to go. Like they would hope that they could get to go on stage and just try stuff out. Yep. Um, and they're both amazing. They both went out and tried out in New York for Lauren Michaels for SNL, and neither of them got on. Yeah. Stephen Colbert and Steve Carell were not good enough for SNL, quote unquote. Right. Now, not good enough really just meant they auditioned the same time as Will Ferrell. And you don't need all three of those guys. It's politics. It's, yeah, or maybe it's they're casting. not the right fit. Maybe they think that they right. serve better. And then the whole like you don't Colbert need three white males. And everything. Also, yeah. that's yeah. unfortunately something. When it comes to you know, I told you like I'm in the film industry and, and TV industry. That's a it's a very political quota filled environment. Yeah. And so it was like, sorry, but we already got Will. Yep. And goofy guy that guy. flails his body around. Yes. And Colbert and Carell can both be also kind of pinholed into that. I know mm-hmm. that Colbert's got his whole like Colbert show kind of shtick that he does that yeah. people kind of just bleed into his actual personality yeah. but um yeah it's wild the people that have gone through those doors and not done anything or the people that have found a lot of success on that stage and then they when they try to move on they don't do anything but then there's mm-hmm. also people that are just just as happy having a career outside of that and then just touring on the weekends doing right. college shows and stuff like that i have yeah. friends that are on house teams at io and second city that they have a career that they love, and they also just love the opportunity to go out and be goofy and perform yeah. twice a week. And you know, you're not no. Sure. There are very few improvisers mm-hmm. that are making money from right. improv. Um, Improvised Shakespeare is one of the only paid improv teams at IO. Yeah. Um, World Theater Tonight or something like that. Yeah, and it's just one. it's not. You, it's not a, a full-on like career. It's it's an incredible thing. Mm-hmm. I love doing improv. I think it's an incredible tool in your belt. But like you said, it is kind of that stepping stone or like that right. notch in your belt to where you're like, okay, I've graduated through this conservatory. Now it's time to go on and move mm-hmm. like acting or yeah. more like general stand-up comedy performance and things like that. You're running the gambit for sure. It's yeah, the exactly. same thing as acting. Like it's yep. at the highest level, it's so worth it. But the highest level is very competitive to get to, and only like one percent of people can get there. Yeah. It's about grinding, sleeping four hours a night. Right. <laughs> and so if you can end up being obviously, you know, in a writer's room somewhere because of it, it's so worth it. Or even worst case, like I thought about it, if you're the worst person on SNL, you're still going to be made SNL. for life because you can, you know, if you get kicked off after one season, you're probably able to easily be a teacher at any IO type school, improv school in the country. Yeah. I, I was able to, I've performed with someone that was on SNL. His name's Luke Knoll. He was in college improv at the same time as I was. Okay. Um, he was a couple years older than me, so I only got to see him perform a couple times. But, yeah, he was on SNL for a little bit. It just didn't work out. He wasn't in a lot of sketches. The The competition that's there, because sec- or, uh, Saturday Night Live is also seen as kind of a stepping stone or like a, mm-hmm. a notch in the tool belt to then kind of launch people onto big major movie careers. Um, you have to write constantly. Right. Your the sketches that are being shown are sketches that were written by the performers mm-hmm. for themselves, for their friends, anything like that. And these big writing rooms happen. You have expectations every week. It's yeah. like such a full grind. You don't just like I've heard do that these sketches and you stuff. Get segmented and, when you get onto SNL, you're either a writers room person or you're an on screen person. And like the on screen people do get to write a little bit, right? But, but there's a group of people that just didn't get chosen to be on screen. Yep. 
that are purely like writing you're the skits. writers, but you'll be in some stuff. Right. But yeah, it's kind and of you like might a only as a writers room person get one or two skits for the whole season. Who knows? Yeah, to yeah, actually yeah. make the broadcast. It's yeah, that's got to be such a like you said, like the terrifying hustle or just like that competition feeling inside that mm-hmm. room has to be wild. Right, and I I did like uh so back to Sharna the who runs IO during orientation. She's talking about she's like. You know, there's IO alumni like we could have. I think it's the Jordan something or not another Jordan, mm-hmm. the one who was not Cole, maybe Colbert's like sidekick for a little while, or like a sidekick of the lot of the like Tonight Show guy or okay. the Today Show guys. Um, has his own show now, I think, on Comedy Central too. And his whole writing room is IO guys. Yep, guys and girls, like ten people. Yeah, and they all have this mentality of yes and. Yeah, right. It's not competitive. It's not my idea is better than yours or yours is better than mine. It's like. Oh, this is my idea. Just accept and then, it and build on it. Yeah, and then everyone just accepts and builds on it. Like, oh, that's great. And yes, and what if we do this with it? Yeah. And yes, and what if we do that with it? And it just keeps building, and it's already in like a matter of moments because ten people are thinking about the same thing. Right. They're going off in different directions. A filled, full end skit. Yep. Or well, idea. That's, that's the good thing too about like I was talking about earlier about that like group mind that improv teams can get after mm-hmm. performing with each other for so long is like the if you're mind. in a writing room, you understand people's strengths and weaknesses, so you're like. Hey, think about what this par- character is going to be going through. Think about what this character is going to be going through, and then you're like, t- you're attacking it from all these different perspectives, and like solidifying what people are good on and challenging what they're not. Mm-hmm. So, like that type of cohesive unit in a writing room, I'm sure, can just like you, like I was talking about earlier, just like the time can just fly by because you're in this like right. transfugue state of just mm-hmm. pure, just you're just chugging, like plugging and chugging in the in the writing room. So we talked about this. Obviously, you've been in Chicago for like about two years. Yeah. Um, lifelong native, and that's kind of the basis for this podcast to some extent. Um, I'm intrigued when you were doing improv in a different state. Did people see Chicago as like a founding city, and was there any haste towards Chicago by people because of it? Yeah, absolutely. And like all of um, improv in college, like a lot of the traveling teams from IO and stuff will come, so you get in, almost immediately introduced to what the like quote unquote professional level is. Okay. Um, Chicago, New York, and LA are the three places that people go to do comedy, and that's closely tied with improv. So, like, sure. they're already talking about going and doing stand up. They're already talking about, because most stand ups will like take an improv class to maybe improve their stage presence, yeah, how right. to roll off the tongue a little bit better, do crowd work. Mm-hmm. But they're different things. Stuff like that. But those are all different things, and mostly used as like a tool for them. Um, but yeah, when I was in Ohio, that was like a huge, it's the closest big city, mm-hmm. like major, major city. Um, Could you again, rank from them? The, Would there be like, is LA or New York higher than Chicago? It all kind of corresponds to different things. So like a lot of standups go to New York because they end up writing. So yeah. they do the second city thing. I would say second city. I would say stand up specifically would be New York in my yeah, mind. Yeah. And then like the acting thing is very, very heavily influenced LA. in LA because like Groundlings, Will Ferrell came from there yeah. and you know, doing that whole thing. And there's like the acting thing obviously takes a lot of place in LA. Mm-hmm. Chicago is a bit of like a both thing because so much stand up here happens here and mm-hmm. at the same time a lot of movies and film and television shows are like cast hybrid. from here so it's kind of like a weird mm-hmm. hub like you said like it's a big melting pot of all different kinds of like artistic right. outputs and that was kind of what brought me from Ohio to Chicago was that I like to act I like to do stand up and like I like to do improv so mm-hmm. getting able to kind of scratch all three of those itches while I'm here um, best bang for your buck city in the exactly. country right Exactly. And, down, I don't yeah. think there's a closer choice. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do think about that. I'm like, you know, the hybrid, which is the improv comedian actor yeah. person. That's for sure Chicago over the other two cities. Um, if you had to have that conversation in my mind. 
but yeah, back to it. LA is obviously acting, and New York is obviously comedy. But there's right. there's room for everything in all three cities. Yeah, there's I mean there's um, great. The downside, I will LA. say, from an acting perspective, you know, I'm I've uh, agent in Chicago. Yeah. Um, I occasionally go out on auditions, mm-hmm. but they really don't cast main roles out yeah. of Chicago. Yep. So if you're a Chicago actor, it's like you have to move to New York or yeah. move to LA to get a main role. And right. Then you, like you could literally, you have to move to LA to get a role in Chicago PD, which films That's in funny. Chicago. Yeah. There's only one person in Chicago PD. Shout out Leroy's Hawkins. That's wild. Awesome yeah. dude from Harvey. Oh, that's He's the awesome. only Chicagoan on Chicago PD. Wow. Um, and that's mostly because it's just like there's some sort of there's this branding that production looks at or the fact that the product like producers and executive producers are all out of LA. Yeah. They have this idea that like the LA actor is elite. That's the one that they want. The, or it the also people might that be are the... out there working, going exactly. on auditions. People are gonna see them on their show. I think it's also the LA actor is willing to sacrifice the most. Like, you know what I mean? Like if I went out to LA, I'd probably actually that's why Stick you're there. to my diet. Right. Yes, right. <laughs> so, like, I already moved out here. I'm paying, like, you know, two grand a month for rent. Like, right. I am not eating, one, because I can't afford it, but two, also, because that's the L.A. look. There's so an L.A. Wash, this washboard going. Mm-hmm. I've literally heard casting directors call it L.A. skinny. There's Ugh. regular skinny, like, you're in good shape, but then there's L.A. skinny. And those are the people who, like, when you see a photo of, like, this person shirtless, um, you know, whether it's Bradley Cooper or whatever, they look ripped but they actually with the shirt on look tiny yeah and they're just they're bare bones oh yeah that's see that's wild and that's kind of the reason i think i enjoy chicago as well is that like it still feels like a real city it mm-hmm. doesn't feel like it's all just glitz and glamour there are mm-hmm. obviously those parts of chicago that are crazy yeah i got my little you know my little uh nest egg saved up for the winter in case mm-hmm. i get stuck on the on the l for mm-hmm. too long but yeah i definitely think that chicago has some like real Chicago culture. And I think that not to say that LA doesn't have that type of thing, but just the, like you said, like the LA look, the things that they are really, really looking for. I think that you can, uh, the every man quote unquote can kind of find a way in Chicago. Um, maybe a little bit better because it's not like that beach, right. beach blonde. I think it was our, our, our women that invented the idea of the dad bod. Cause it was probably such a prevalent heavy thing. sausage eating dads out right. here. A lot of sauerkraut and mustaches mm-hmm. floating around. We like our, our full carb beer and we the like Ditka. our sauce. Well, I think Mike Dicka might be the best place to end it for this week in the Chicago Jordans podcast. We got everything done from talking about the IO, a deep dive into one of Chicago's biggest improv training centers to a little bit of talk about the difference between New York, LA and Chicago when it comes to the entertainment scene and the type of talent that we put out. Stay tuned. We'll be back next time on the Chicago Jordans podcast.